The objective, to deliver the NBA to you like no other. News, play breakdowns, power rankings, storylines you never hear talked about anywhere else. It's all straight shots here. Fired by straight shooters. S and gun. This is the Objective Basketball Podcast. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can. Yeah. I thought you were starting. No, I thought you were starting. This is a what perfect, the heck? This is a perfect way to start the podcast, ladies yes. and gentlemen. Yes. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Objective Basketball Podcast, where we can't get on the same page five <laughs> seconds in. Um, yeah, look, ladies and gentlemen, appreciate you guys tuning in and tapping into this basketball extravaganza podcast. It is the Objective Basketball Podcast, so we are trying to give you an objective opinion. Now, that is not always going to be the case. Uh, maybe even rarely it'll be the case, <laughs> but uh, we hope that we can give you guys some really, really good information, some great content. Um, Lauren herself, she, she can give herself a great introduction. Go for it. Do you think? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm super excited to get this thing going. You and I have, have talked lots privately about, I mean, just over, I guess, even what, two, two years maybe now I, since I, since I've gotten to know you, uh, back in our locker room days. Uh, so yeah, I'm excited to kind of get going and really be talking about, you know, our takes, what we think will happen, maybe looking back at some point and being like, man, did I get that wrong? Um, so it's going to be fun. I'm excited to really kind of focus on the NBA as a whole and, and kind of get going through that lens. It'll be, it should, it should be fun. If you don't see Lauren's little logo right now, she is a Mavericks person, a, a, a Luka Doncic mm-hmm. fanatic and, and, you know, follower of the Mavericks. I'm, I'm currently not wearing the team I cover most prominently. I'm wearing a Cavaliers jersey. But um, our, our experience, obviously, with what Lauren said, we know each other since the locker room and Spotify Live days. We've jumped into each other's shows and talked about the NBA predominantly during trade season so this will be <laughs> this will be a fun time to do it but mm-hmm. uh you know lauren herself she's she's been credentialed she's gone to dallas mavericks games she's covered them very very closely so i'm really excited to get that perspective and for the people who are joining on you may know what i've done in, in the past nba wise but we're hoping to bring it to sdpn and hoping to bring you guys some great basketball information and and for those people who may not be totally interested in the basketball side of things or, or may have just like a casual perspective on the NBA, hopefully you can learn a couple things from us as well. So what we wanted to do for episode one is just broad questions, just, you know, very, very simple, very good questions heading into the second half of the season. We are now for, for most NBA teams, we're at number 41, game number 41. Most teams are at like 40 or 41 games. That means... There's 41 more left. We are halfway through this thing, and the trade deadline is approaching. January 15th, that that day that everybody talks about where the majority of the league is trade eligible, is also approaching. And there's going to be some questions that needs to be answered, not only in this next month, but throughout the rest of the season. And me and Lauren decided to kind of keep it a surprise. So what we'll do is, is Lauren, you, you'll ask your question first, okay? We'll discuss and we'll go back and forth, okay? Because I feel like we'll have some overlap. I feel like we'll I have think I, we have to have some overlap. You have to think. Yeah, yeah. But let's get going. The first one, I think this is one. I don't. I didn't think I'd be asking this question. I gotta say, I didn't think I'd be asking it. But what's okay. next for the Minnesota Timberwolves? Yeah, that is a very good question. Um, I mean, look, when you look at what the Timberwolves, well, first of all, I guess I'll let you go on this. Like, what do you think? Why, why would you be concerned right now if you're a Minnesota Timberwolves fan? I understand why, but why, why, would, you, why would you say that right now? <laughs> sure. I mean, I think going into this season, the big thing that everybody was kind of looking at Minnesota saying was, okay, we, we feel confident in you guys during the regular season. The product that you guys are going to be able to put out there, it seems to be, I don't want to say predictable, but everyone kind of had this expectation. And then they come into the season and it just does not look like they're on the same page uh, on paper. You again, you have this idea and it's just not what you're seeing. And so uh, for them, 
you kind of pushed all your chips in and people don't want to sit there and say, okay, well you lost the trade or it's, you know, it's too early to tell. And, and I, I kind of stand in that same, in that same boat. You can't just write something off half a season in, especially when you're just trying to get the, the kinks worked out, but it's not looking good. Um, and when you have a $30 million expiring contract and D'Angelo Russell, you've got options. And so my question for you, what do you think that they should do about that? Or do you think that maybe they should just kind of stand pat? Well, they have some options, um, and and just to kind of give you a, a, a kind of rundown of what's going on in Minnesota right now, they're twenty and twenty one. They are in ninth in the Western Conference. Prior to the season, they were probably uh, projected to be a fifty plus win team. I don't know. I don't have the betting odds here right mm-hmm. beside me, but they were projected to be a fifty plus win team. I think the Gobert deal was something that a lot of NBA pundits assumed would bring a level of stability to that team, uh, especially at the defensive end. And that hasn't happened. They are, let's see what they are in defense right now. They're 14th on defense and then they're 18th on offense. And I know they've missed Carl Anthony Towns for a month, but to be honest with you, uh, they've kind of been playing better basketball in this month without him. I don't think that's an indictment on what, Cat brings to the team. It's more mm-hmm. just about roster construction and how Gobert and Cat fit together, and then how Anthony Edwards comes into play when you're considering those two big men. I'm not sure if there's any kind of big swing deal that they can do that can satisfy what this team needs right now. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the D'Angelo Russell thing is a situation. He is an expiring contract. He probably is looking for an extension. He's, I believe, thirty million dollars off of the books. I, I can see a world where they look to move him, mm-hmm. but at, at what cost and what do you really get back that is tangibly going to help you this season? I'm not sure. Um, and then you have you have other guys who are on expiring deals, Naz Reed, Jalen Noel, who are like very good rotation pieces for them, guys who have come in and contribute, especially Naz Reed, who I think with Carl Anthony Towns being being out for a little bit, has really expanded his role. Uh, mm-hmm. And shown that he can take on more of a burden. So I, I don't know what the move is, um, but the biggest issue with Minnesota is that they lack playmakers, and they've asked Anthony Edwards, um, you know, a young Anthony Edwards, to be this guy for them, and he's just not there yet. Will he get there at some point? I think he will, but it's it's at a point where they probably your <laughs> to, to your point put their eggs in the basket a little bit too early when it came to the Gobert trade. And and to be honest with you, I don't think it's right to to call it a failure yet. I think mm-hmm. we do have to wait and see. But it's a good question to ask right now. And and I I'm kind of puzzled as to like where they go and if they're just willing to ride it out this season. Yeah, I think puzzled is the perfect word because when you look at it right now, there's there's a million different directions that this situation could end up going. You, like you said, Cat could come back or be fully healthy for an extended period of time. They could finally get things going. Um, at some point, you could even ask yourself a coaching question. You could ask yeah. yourself, do we wait on Anthony Edwards? Do we look at something like a Mike Conley deal or like a Kyle Lowry deal, which I don't even know that those are the answers right now. Yeah. Um, and so the thing with, with Minnesota is that I think it's just still too early to pull the trigger on going out and trying to make some sort of trade. I also think that there's a timeline in which you get to a point where it's like, okay, having a guy like Rudy Gobert to make Anthony Edwards life easier as opposed to making Carl Anthony Towns easier could potentially be a good formula. And maybe you look at Carl Anthony Towns being the one that's the biggest question uh, in terms of trying to, I guess, shuffle the deck and and just reset a little bit. And I think Minnesota, if you're a Minnesota fan, that's the last thing you want to think about right now. But I do think there's a timeline in which that does become a very real question. There's also a world where um, you know, going back to us maybe sounding stupid, there, there's <laughs> there's a world where none of this matters in like four weeks. And 100%. The they've figured it out. They've, you know, coalesced, if you will. Carl Anthony Towns is maybe back from injury. And, you know, him, him being out, maybe that helped them figure out their depth and their rotation situation. But to your point, I, I think they're they're kind of, they're cap-strapped. Uh, they, they, they are also in a situation where, I don't know if they can make a a big enough move right now to make them tangibly better this season. So mm-hmm. they are in a wait and see. They are in right. a let's just evaluate and see what happens. Okay, I've got I've got another question for you. 
Let's go. Okay. Does Joe Wisecamp change the ceiling of the Toronto Raptors? No. I- <laughs> <laughs> that is the last I- thing that I – but I will say when I got that <laughs> notification, I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> That's no, that is, awesome. That is not my question, although I hope Joe Wisecamp 10-day contract gets a little bit of run in this next couple of weeks. Anyways, <laughs> um, my question does have to do with the Raptors, though. Um, okay. The middle of the East seems to be just this kerfuffle, whatever you want to call it, this like combination of dysfunctional teams. Mm-hmm. Um, and the question I have is which one of those middling Eastern Conference teams pulls the trigger first? to give up on the season, especially with, you know, the lottery and Victor Wembanyama ahead and how the East is looking and how the top five looks. Um, it would make sense for one of those teams to kind of be like, all right, we quit. We're done. This is not the season we're trying to compete in. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bulls, they've won three in a row. They're seven and three, but Levine, there's reports consistently about him not being uh, in the right place with management. Uh, they are a team that's in the playing territory after being a playoff team last year. Does that mean that they are potentially buyers or are they sellers? The Hawks are just a mess right now, even though they they pulled out a win uh, last night against the Clippers. They're four and six in their last ten, uh, but they lose twice to the Lakers and the Pacers in that stretch. For a team that that went semi all in on the Dejounte Murray move, you gotta wonder what the direction is. Uh, couple that in with the fact that, hey, look at the Trey Young stuff and the Nate McMillan stuff that happened and them not really gelling well. I mean, they're 22nd in offense and they're 16th in defense. Mm-hmm. It just it doesn't seem like the trade-off for DeJounte Murray has paid off in a tangible way for them. And on top of that, their offense has suffered too because they gave up a ton of shooting in a Kevin Herter. In, in like, th- that really, really hurt what this team looked like offensively. Mm-hmm. So I, my, my question is, like, what the hell are they going to do? And then the <laughs> Wizards, the Wizards are, are they're completely fine just being this middle-of-the-pack team. And for all intents and purposes, it seems like they're okay with just being here and being ready to compete. Um, but they do have interesting pieces like a Kyle Kuzma, maybe a Daniel Gafford to a lesser extent, Porzingis, who's on, a, a, on an expiring Mm-hmm. And then you have the Toronto Raptors, um, who are struggling to say the least. They, mm-hmm. you know, the expectations were high for them. Most people assumed that they would be a playoff team, but they're seventeen and twenty-three. They've been four and six in their last ten. Their defense hasn't been the elite type of defense that people expected, and their offense has struggled more than they imagined it would struggle. The shooting has gone away from Fred VanVleet and Gary Trent Jr. Those guys are expiring deals. The question will be, like, which one of these teams pulls the trigger first and says, hey, we give up? Um, Mm -hmm. What do you think? You know, it's what's so fascinating to me about this is that you've got, I mean, I want to immediately touch on Atlanta and Chicago. To me, Mm -hmm. it's not even just about, oh, we're underperforming. There's this organizational instability that you had mentioned that that is, when you have that problem, it is almost impossible to come back from that. And at least in my opinion, and to the point where it's like, it's only a matter of time until you do pull that trigger. So while I think Atlanta's, I guess, blow up, throw in the towel is going, and I do believe it will happen. I I think it's going to be on a greater scale than say a Chicago or even a Toronto. So I kind of, as much as I think they could potentially have the biggest problem between, you know, the Nate McMillan of it all, the Trey Young of it all, even the John Collins of it all. um, I don't, I hesitate to say them for that reason, because to me, I think you could get to a point where it's like, well, Trey Young has had enough. and, And I mean, what direction do you even tackle first there? So part of me leans Chicago because again, you've got this, your, your guy that you chose to build around in Zach Levine, he signed the contract. But to me, even though they're winning lately, that doesn't mean a whole lot to me. And that's just, I tr- when you have situations where there's organizational instability or just a disconnect between a star player and another star player or a star player and a coach. I mean, I actually, I almost tweeted this out yesterday. I saw a Chicago fan account tweet 
a video of Damar and Zach Levine hugging after a game. And the caption was, they're hugging again. And I was this close to responding and saying, this is eerily similar to when Mavs Twitter was counting the Porzingis and Luka high fives every single game. (laughs) But I didn't want to rain on Chicago's parade, so I just deleted that one. Um, But I just... You probably should have rained on their parade a little bit. I I just... I don't see it. I don't see it. And, and, and shifting gears to Toronto a little bit before I come back to Chicago, because I do think Chicago is my answer. Um, I think Toronto likes to play for each other. And I'm, and that does not, I don't care about the Thaddeus Young, Scotty Barnes, little (laughs) scuffle. That means nothing to me. That means absolutely nothing to me. To me, those guys, at least from what I can see, they like the Toronto culture. They like each other. And they're so young. They don't need to be performing at this playoff uh, level right now. Yeah, you've got Pascal and you've got Fred, but I think Fred likes Toronto. And so I'm not necessarily worried about, okay, what's what does the future hold in Toronto? Because even if for some reason they did choose to trade um, Fred, which to me at least, and I could be very wrong about this, but to me, if, there are, if anyone's getting traded from Toronto, it's Gary Trent Jr. And if there's a second person that gets traded – I guess it's Fred, but even that I think is unlikely as of right now, even though he's struggled a little bit this season. So for Toronto, simply because the expectation isn't that they need to be winning every single game right now, they have time to continue to develop. I look back at Chicago and I'm like, God, your tax bill is crazy high. You've had to overcome a lot of injuries and you're still kind of working through that. I actually think that there's, and I've heard some things, that there's a little trouble underneath the surface between Vucevic and that whole situation. So I just, I really don't have any faith in Chicago. Oh, he's so gone. He's he's 100% leaving. He's gone. He's gone. Yeah. And so I just, I don't have a whole lot of faith in Chicago, and I'm selfishly pulling for Zach Levine to want to come play with Luca. So we'll see. <laughs> well, okay, just to just to mention the, the Toronto front of things, I think out of the four teams that we've mentioned, they do have the most flexibility. They have all of their draft picks. Uh, most of their players are under contract, at least the, the players that they want to keep in a Siakam, in a Barnes, in an OG Ananobi. And when it comes to Gary Trent Jr. and Fred Van Vliet, I think um, you know, Raptors fans are obviously uh, very adamant about mo- getting a move and kind of getting things going with this roster. But I think that flexibility is something that is underrated, is that they have options. They have a plethora of options. And also... From what we've seen from the reports, the Mark Steins of the world, Tim Bontemps uh, dropped a report today. The mm-hmm. Raptors players are desired. There are tons mm-hmm. of teams that would line up to get an OG and an Obi, to get a Pascal Siakam. And I think to a lesser extent, maybe even go for a Fred Van Vliet or Gary Trent Jr. If that happens, if it comes to fruition, we'll see dot, dot, dot. But at this point, I imagine you're right. It's, it's probably just a Gary Trent Jr., maybe a, a lateral move to just shuffle the decks a little bit more sure. than anything else. But to Chicago, what were you saying? Uh, just just to kind of bring it up, by the way, Nikola Vucevic, free agent this summer. He's probably going to yes. walk. Um, they have Kobe White, who has, I believe, a team option. And, and he's probably, which is exercise. He's a free agent this summer. He's probably gone. Mm-hmm. And then you have Lonzo Ball on the books for three more seasons. And, I mean, who knows what happens in that situation? You have DeMar DeRozan on the books for two more years. Zach Levine on a massive deal, which he just signed, $37 million this year, $40 million the uh, the year after that, and then it goes 43 45 and a player option for $48 million in 26-27. This is not a roster that is ready to be a championship contender, mm-hmm. and they've kind of went all in on Vucevic, on DeRozan, on Levine, and what they've landed at is a middle-of-the-pack team that can probably be frisky, can maybe make some kind of noise in the play-in, maybe take a, a first-round team, a playoff team, kind of like maybe, maybe force them to five or six games, seven mm-hmm. games. But that's it. That's that's the amalgamation of all the going in that they did on Zach Levine. So what do you what do you think they should even do? <sighs> My God, it's it's hard <laughs> because. When you look at their team, it's like, okay, I am I am always anti-fire sale. I will always, always, always be anti-fire sale. But it just seems mm-hmm. that that's the way the business works from time to time. Right. Um, and I do think that there's a way to go about a semi-commitment to a fire sale. And I think that, that leaves you with Vucevic, Kobe White, like you mentioned. Those two, why not at least see what you can get for them? Because, pro- like you said, they're probably going to walk. Um, 
And so I'm looking at those two. I do expect them to be moved. Um, but then I kind of look at the DeMar DeRozan of it all. And so I'm sitting here looking at this and I'm like, okay, is DeMar the one? I mean, DeMar, he's solid. He's still showing that he can put up big numbers and impact winning basketball. And well, maybe I should walk that statement back a little bit, just (laughs) given their current situation. But I, I think it's, I think most people would agree that he can play winning basketball and contribute to wins on your team. Um, if he were to get moved. No, look, DeMar is probably being asked to do a little bit too much right now in Chicago, yeah. but putting him in a tertiary role, like I, I know a lot of people have brought up the the Lakers of it yeah. all when it comes to DeMar DeRozan and those 2027 and 2029 picks, maybe something around Vucevic and DeRozan to Los Angeles for those picks. Chicago can have a little bit of a reset and, and figure out what they can do in the future. But in a role where... DeMar is next to a LeBron James and an Anthony Davis, he would thrive because yeah. he's not being asked to be your number one facilitator. He's not being asked to be your your only playmaker. He can kind of play off of those guys, be a guy who can uh, punch gaps, be a guy who can be your playmaker in transitional lineups and in bench units, and that way thrive. So I, I agree with you. I think he can still contribute to winning. It's just like what order he's in or what what, what – part of the totem pole he's at so I agree exactly and 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 one thing that I think is so fascinating about Chicago is that we've seen they're not afraid to make big moves they're not afraid to commit to something and really just lean into it and so on one hand I'm like do they look to try and sell off these pieces and just restructure is that the way they want to go or if they even begin to go down that route is Zach Levine gonna be like no no right no and then at that point you have a big problem on your hands so part of me sits and looks at this, and I'm like, hey, I mean, is Zach Levine really... Because to me, DeMar is a professional. You can get something for Vooch and Kobe White. Like, that that scenario has just worked its way to the end with each of those guys. So, say you have DeMar, and then you have a very deep roster. They're just not able to put the pieces together. So, do you look to, again, try and reset around Zach, and then wait until later on you've got maybe DeMar in his final year, and then you look to move on from him then? To me, that is the timeline. That's the scenario that nets you the most return value if you're Chicago it's a dark it's a dark future but you still have young guys I mean you've got AO you've even Dale and Terry you've got Patrick Williams they've got loads of young guys that are really exciting um and so unfortunately I do think that they might be headed towards the kind of ultimate reset starting with Zach Levine I wonder um and I I I guess this is more just about like looking back at last year right because there was a lot of noise last year of hey what can they get for Patrick Williams and a first round pick Right. Um, and how can they maybe double up on this great scenario that they have last season where Alex Caruso and Lonzo Ball are feasting uh, feasting against guys at the point of attack, hounding hounding offensive players, being those kind of like engines as defensive players. And then on the other end, you have DeMar DeRozan having an all-NBA season, a season that genuinely would have been hard to replicate this year. You have mm-hmm. Zach Levine, who, yes, he was dealing with some knee stuff, but still was contributing at a high level. So... They had lightning in a bottle last season, um, and I wonder if they missed out on, on that opportunity to make that win-now move and kind of, I guess, solidify this mm-hmm. core. Right. Um, and now you're kind of th- stuck with the situation of like, all right, how do we recoup our assets while also keeping a Zach Levine ha- happy? And they do have him under contractual control for the next four or five seasons. So that is completely fine. But it's it's a tough pill to swallow if you're Chicago. And I kind of I, – I look at this similar to Toronto in a sense that, look, Toronto now has to appease and make Pascal Siakam healthy. But they are on a much tighter clock because Pascal Siakam is a free agent in 2024, which means mm-hmm. they have two seasons to essentially convince the guy, hey, we want to build around you. We think that you're worth building around. These mm-hmm. are the moves that we're going to make to do that. So – I think Levine has is is past that point a little bit because he has signed the contract extension. He's there for five seasons, but at the same time, what will be there with Chicago for him to compete? Who yeah, a hundred percent. And it's kind of, I mean, it's a perfect segue into my next question and kind of staying on the Chicago theme because somebody else that also just signed a contract extension is Billy Donovan. And so you've got these guys locked up, Ooh. but maybe they don't want to be locked up together. So who is the first to go? And I know we've kind of talked about that, but sometimes it's 
what is the best path to try and either stay competitive or recoup the assets. If you're, if you're the Bulls front office and you're seeing what's going on on a day-to-day basis, maybe behind the scenes that isn't getting reported on, what do you think is more likely in Chicago? I think it is more likely uh, that the Bulls would rather do anything but make Zach Levine more mad than he is right now. Um, because from all the reports, like they're at a distance, they're at odds. You know, I believe it was, um, NBC sports who reported that, you know, Hey, Zach Levine is not necessarily seeing eye to eye with the bulls front office. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that is already an inflection point here for this bulls organization and what they're building around Levine. If the decision is, I'm like this, I don't know about you, Lauren, but if the decision is between a coach and a player, I'm always picking the player. Yeah. Do you fall in that same boat? I, I mean, I feel like I do. Look, going back I, I to think the Trey Young and the Hawks situation, right? A hundred percent. And I, I will say, I do think that maybe from time to time you're going to have an exception. From I mean, we've seen some crazy things over the course of all these. I mean, of all the years we've been covering the NBA, but um, I think most of the time you're going to need to side with the player because I mean, not to go too far down the Trey Young thing, but that's a franchise cornerstone who's in his early twenties. You're not gonna. I mean. You, you just, it, to me, it's no question. That's your entire franchise and its future and revenue. And, and, and you know, so I just, to me, it, you do need to typically side with the player and, and, and go that route. Yeah, I agree with you. And, I mean, in this situation, the Bulls really can't help themselves but side with the player. I think Billy Donovan is an underrated coach. I, I'm kind yeah. of of the opinion that he is uh, somewhat underrated. But at the same time, um, when you have a player like Zach Levine, and I think – I think there there is a discussion to be had about if if Levine is going to meet and exceed his contract, which is a lofty, lofty contract extension. Uh, I think that is a fair argument to be had of like, okay, is 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 Levine more of a top twenty, top thirty type of player, or can he at some point, fully healthy, get to a top ten, top fifteen range? We haven't seen that yet. I think we he's had seasons, he's had bursts, he's had moments where he's yeah. shown us that he has the potential to do that. But at a consistent level, it's hard for me to swallow the pill and say, look, Zach Levine is the guy I want to build my team around. But when you're the Bulls and you're stuck in a predicament between picking between a, a coach who might be a little bit underrated but you're stuck with and a player who might be a little bit overrated but you've paid already <laughs> – I think you still have to side with the player because you've committed to it already. You've, you've already committed to this bit. You have to see it through. Um, and I think, like, look, we talked about Minnesota earlier, but they are probably asking themselves the same questions when it comes to Carl Anthony Towns. And I think Carl Anthony Towns has proved more than Zach Levine has throughout his career. So just to give you an idea of what it yeah. would be. Do you, want me to, do you want me to ask my next question? Let's go. Let's move right into it. Okay. Will the Lakers – I mean, we were going to talk about the Lakers at some point, right? We were going to talk <laughs> we about sure them at were. some point. Will the Lakers succumb to LeBron and fan pressure? Uh, and obviously LeBron had his interview. He had the athletic article. He reiterated – he kind of quote-tweeted the athletic article saying, hey, don't, don't twist my words, even though he <laughs> quote – he said the exact words word for word, as Sam, Sam Emick said. So anyways – um, there is clear pressure from the fan base. I see it all the time. Uh, there is clear f- pressure from LeBron for the Lakers to get chips, get whatever kind of pieces they can in order to win now and try to make a run at this thing this season. To kind of just, like, to, to I don't even know what angle we want to start <laughs> this off with, but just to kind of give you an, a, a, an amalgamation of how they look. They've, they haven't done that bad this season. Uh, uh, over over the last like month or so and that's because Dennis Schroeder has played phenomenal basketball LeBron James has played phenomenal basketball he has looked like he's aging like fine wine Thomas Bryant has contributed with Anthony Davis out um they obviously have their 2027 and 2029 first round draft picks Mm -hmm. Russell Westbrook's contract of 40 plus million dollars people have mentioned the Beverly and Kendrick Nunn uh deal that has been floated around a million and one times they're 16th in offense, 21st on defense. And before Anthony Davis got hurt, this is the big thing. Before Anthony Davis got hurt, he was playing all NBA basketball. Probably some of the best basketball of his career. 
Um, and if he can get back to that, obviously Adrian Wojnarowski reported it today that Anthony Davis is ramping up with the expectation of coming back this week. So if you get Davis back, you're on a little bit of a roll. You're 16 and 21, and now you're what I believe they're like. Let's see where they're at. They're 11th now, right? Hey, not too bad. Right? <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're they're 11th now. They've won five in a row. Uh, you could imagine teams like the Suns falling out of the playing race because of them missing out on Devin Booker. The Utah Jazz are slowly kind of falling out of that race as well. So hey, maybe you are a playing team. And mm-hmm. now that you're a playing team with LeBron, with Anthony Davis, with some of your fringe pieces that you signed, also playing above their value, is there an argument to be had that you should probably go all in? What's your answer? I think 100%. I don't even really think it's it's because what's so fascinating is that while on one hand you're like, well, why don't we just, there's the whole conversation. Why don't we just wait and then get to the offseason and then we have three picks to trade. And like, that's all fine, but I don't, I'm not in that boat. And it's yeah. like you said, a big part of that is Anthony Davis. He gets all the flowers, all the praise, because that is a, if he doesn't have that kind of start to the season and uh, sustain that level of play, I mean, maybe the conversation is a little bit different, but you have LeBron James and you're the Los Angeles Lakers. So it's not even just from a basketball perspective. There's an entire business aspect to it that if you aren't having that conversation, then you're not having the full conversation. And I mean, you, there there are reports going out of, oh, these these uh, executives think that LeBron might request it or demand a trade if if the Lakers don't go all... I mean, and it's it's just like, okay, maybe. Um, and then there was, I think, the report... There was a report that maybe went out yesterday or this morning saying that the Kendrick Nunn, the Patrick Beverly in the first was uh, an overpay for, for Bogdanovich in Detroit. And right. I just... I don't believe that. <laughs> to me, I don't, I don't... That cannot possibly be true. That's that's my stance because I just am like, if the Lakers had an opportunity to go out and make a deal right now, um, I think that they would do it because it's, it's, a, it's a question of, oh, do we want to keep LeBron happy and potentially put ourselves in a better position as opposed... Right now, as opposed to... Especially when the West is wide open, as, as opposed to waiting for the future. And to me... Yeah, you don't want to totally mortgage your future, but you have the biggest name in basketball and you're the Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah. It's not so to me this is not like it's kind of interesting because it's somewhat of a similar conversation that we're talking about with the Bulls and the Timberwolves, more so the Bulls because it's a bigger market, but with the Lakers, I mean, we're talking about LeBron James here. And so yeah. you don't want to waste this kind of play from Anthony Davis and you don't want to make LeBron James upset. And so to me, it's it's a why not. And, it, and so I don't – to me, I don't see a world in which they go past the deadline and don't do anything. I really just want to see what kind of talks start heating up and kind of what direction that they want to go. Because is there a package out there that we haven't all talked about a million times that ends up being the one that they take? I do think that there's a possibility that that's the case. Above that a little bit, like you can't waste a season where Anthony Davis is playing like this and can potentially be healthy. You also can't waste the season of LeBron James because of the fact that like you really never know when it's going to be all over. It it could happen next season. It could happen the year after that. He clearly has shown some signs of aging over the last couple of seasons. And who knows how that kind of accelerates as he gets older and older. Your window of opportunity is shrinking like this. And mm-hmm. back to your point about it being a wide-open Western Conference. If I'm the Lakers, I'm looking at the Denver Nuggets, and I say, okay, cool. We've dealt with them before. We've had a, a conference finals uh, game, a, a series against them, and we've, we've handled that. Especially if our guys are fully healthy, I think we can trust ourselves to win. Memphis, mm-hmm. they're a young team. We feel like our experience can probably outdo what they do. If we can get Anthony Davis fully healthy and LeBron is there and maybe sturdy up our defense, we can probably win a series against them as well. New Orleans is a tough, tough team for this team to beat. I wouldn't lie about that. I think I think that's a bad matchup for them. But mm-hmm. if you look at them and say, hey, maybe they're a young team. We can catch them. Okay, cool. We can compete with them in a playoff series as well. Dallas Mavericks, you probably assume, okay, with Luka, it's going to be a challenge. It's going to be a, a daunting series. But we like our cha- chances because we think, hey, if LeBron and Anthony Davis are healthy, we might have the best player in the series at some point. Maybe, right. maybe, right? With the Kings, you say sure. The Golden State Warriors are probably the only team that makes me 
second guess myself on being like, I'm going to go all in because mm-hmm. they're a matchup nightmare for this Lakers team. They Once Steph Curry comes back, which is going to happen very, very soon, you're probably thinking, I don't know if even if we were to make a move, if we can beat this team in a playoff series because they have the experience, they have the players, they just won a championship. The guys that they um, they trust are essentially ready to go in a Wiggins, in a Clay, in a Draymond, in a Poole, in a Steph, right? With us trying to acquire a bunch of pieces midseason, can we galvanize quick enough in order to go out and compete against the Warriors team? And I think that's the only team that makes me second-guess myself if I'm the Los Angeles Lakers and saying, hey, we got to win now move. I think... That's not to disrespect any of the other teams I mentioned, by the way. That right. This is not to disrespect any of the other teams I mentioned. I think the Nuggets have a great chance, the Grizzlies, Pelicans, Mavericks, whatever, right? But when you're looking at the Lakers and you have two guys who are at the tail end of their of their peaks, if you will, and two guys who at their peaks can be top five players, you have to go all in on that. What's out there, to your point? Question mark. Who knows? Because... People have thrown out the Miles Turner and Buddy Heel trade. I don't think that's a possibility anymore. I don't I think don't that's either. out there anymore. I think the Pacers want to compete. I think they want to try to win. So there's no reason for them to make that trade. The Bogdanovich deal is probably out there. It's probably something that can happen. But does that help you enough is the big question here. I think it's a deal that's kind of a no-brainer for the Lakers other than the fact of like, hey, is it enough for us to compete? And right. what else is out there? I mean, we'll see in the, the the next couple of weeks. What's what's your what's your other question? Talk to me. You know, it's funny because my next question was word for word. What is the right path for the Lakers <laughs> to pursue? Um, and so I think we could tweak it a little bit. And and I kind of want to get yeah. your thoughts on without maybe a specific package or a specific player. What maybe player prototype do you think that they should look at uh, in terms of entertaining? Okay, yeah, that is enough. That is enough to get us where we want to go. Um, and is that guy, you know, is he out there maybe? Yeah, I, look, I think if you look at what Dennis Schroeder has brought to this team, if you look at what Russell Westbrook has brought to this team, is a clear need for other ball handling outside of LeBron James. Um, I think they have they have completed their task in that sense, that they, they are an extra ball handler on the court with a guy like LeBron who can create off the dribble, who can create for others. Schroeder has, has shot the ball really, really well over the last month, so that's a plus as well. The Lakers, they're they're a little bit up compared to what they were at the start of the season. I believe they're now 24th in three-point shooting, and they were dead last to start the season, which is a bit of an improvement. You know, we, we imagine some kind of regression, positive regression, if you will. But I think the main thing the Lakers need is just size, depth, and more shooting. Mm-hmm. I think, like, if if there was a way for them to get, like, multiple players in a package that would be the way to go is because you need you need a better more refined rotation i i like the fact that schroeder is on this team i think russell westbrook brings something that is vital to what this current lakers team looks like you obviously mentioned russell westbrook uh, sorry uh, anthony davis and lebron james and i think thomas bryant can potentially be a rotation piece how good of a rotation piece i'm not necessarily sure if he's a guy that you can rely on in a seven game series um so you need you need guys at more yeah. than anything, I just think they need players that you can trust in a playoff series. That's why going back to, and I know this isn't really possible. I, again, we just mentioned it, but the reason a Miles Turner and Buddy Heald trade makes so much sense for that team is because those are two guys who you know can be thrown into a rotation and contribute right away. Right. Uh, the Lakers just have way too many players that have way too many question marks. Uh, and I think that's some of the things that they need to take care of is, okay, who can we rely on consistently? Because right. Schroeder may not have a good shooting stretch. I mean, he, in the last, uh, in their winning streak, he's shooting 50, 53, and 87. That's his shooting splits. That's ridiculous. Wow. He's not going to yeah. continue that. Um, so it's just a matter of like, who can you rely on consistently? Can we get rotation players that make sense for now and for the future? And I mean, to be determined on what they do, but if you, we talked about DeMar DeRozan and Nikola Vucevic is also two guys that you know you can trust in a rotation. Put them in, slot them in with, with those guys, and you have some kind of humming offense, which right. makes a lot of sense. Uh, I think it's just about getting better players. It's, it's about finding ways to refine your rotation and get, in all honesty, actual genuine rotation players for a playoff series. 
I don't yeah. think you can rely on a Thomas Bryant. God, I, I trust me, like he's awesome. He's playing really well, but I don't think you can try rely on him. Maybe yeah. Schroeder continues the streak and and kind of creates something for himself, but I don't think you can rely on him consistently either. So it's it's a question of finding guys you can rely on. To your point, Bogdanovich is a guy you can rely on, right? Mm-hmm. DeMar DeRozan is a guy you can rely on. Nikola Vucevic is a guy you can rely on. Buddy Heald, Miles Turner, all the names that I've mentioned are guys you can rely on. So that's the that's the that's the that's the answer, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I I think it's so fascinating because when you talk about guys, it you have if you're the Lakers, you have to do the right dance of quality and quantity because yeah. if you're just if you're looking at Russell Westbrook being the most likely one to get moved, assuming that they're maybe okay with moving the picks, not maybe they're not likely to, but it's not completely off the table, that is your best path to get to, to put this team in a position in terms of having the right. depth. I, I'm with you there. Um, for me, I do, I'm do. i with you. I don't know how likely the Buddy Heald, uh, Miles Turner deal is because there was a point in time where I was like, that's inevitable. That's yeah. going to happen. The Lakers get their cop out. Here we go. Um, <laughs> that is where I was at. And now as time has gone on, I'm like, yeah, man, I don't know. The Bulls, the Bulls one will really drive me absolutely crazy if that one happens because that's kind of another perfect cop out for them. But one that I just kind of want to throw at you real quick because I do think it's pretty interesting what are your if you're the lakers are you assuming they the other team says yes um are you interested in a josh richardson doug mcdermott Jakob pertle for russ and the two picks would you do that i ah that's tough see see the other thing with like a a package trade like centered around another center is the fact that anthony davis is playing the bulk of his minutes at the five and he's absolutely and he's killing it he's absolutely thriving so to to be like, okay, we're going to plot uh, Davis at the four and then bring Pirtle in and be our five, and then we have the shooters. Uh, well, Josh Richardson isn't really a shooter, but <laughs> Doug McDermott is a shooter, right? And you throw him in there, and you're like, okay, maybe we can get something to go. I think that is – I would say no if I'm the Lakers. You would say I no. Okay. I would say no. I, re- I really think I would because, yeah, I, d- I don't want to deal centered around a, a, a big who a, can't a big. shoot right now. And also, like, the difference between Miles Turner – and Jakob Pertl is the fact that Miles can shoot and, and right. Miles can spread the floor for you. So he can help you with the three-point shooting department, which is something that the Lakers have lacked. And I, I, I don't know. I think that's where I would go. I might sound crazy. Maybe Lakers fans are like, hey, what the hell is wrong with you? I would take Pertl <laughs> in a heartbeat. But I don't think I would do it. I really don't yeah. think I would do it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm kind of with you. It's the you ha- If you're going to get a big, it's got to be the right big, which is why I think and and to me, the Spurs package is kind of on the no disrespect to the Spurs because I think that those are solid rotation players. But yep. I think that in terms of fit, that's probably on the tail end in terms of being the least desirable. And yep. and so I just, on one hand, I'm like, if you're the Lakers, do would you rather take that over nothing? And I don't, I personally, I don't, as of right now, I don't think that they would, even though I just got done saying they absolutely need to go all in. Um, as of right now, I do think that there's a pretty high value on those 20, the 2027 and 2029 picks, um, and not just because the Lakers have been so unwilling to move them, but because of the state of that franchise, what it could look like come that time. And so, um, I don't know. I think it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. I I I think part of my prediction right now is that they're going to ultimately kind of keep shooting for the stars, hoping that the Demar Derozan uh, or the Buddy Heald that that you know comes together at the last second. And I just right. don't know that it will for them. I I'm not. I'm not quite there yet, but things change on a dime in this league. So, yep. so we'll see. Yeah. I, I feel like this is such a, we, we, we didn't want to do trade stuff too much, but we just like <laughs> our, all our, trade, all our questions are naturally like very, very trade oriented. Okay. I'll throw another question out at you. Uh, this kind of goes to a game that I watched last night between the Clippers and the Hawks and mm-hmm. the Clippers blew a pretty nasty lead in the fourth quarter which was uh, kind of reminiscent of how bad they've been so far this season. Um, they went through this stretch where they looked really, really good. That It seemed like Kawhi and PG were getting back into things, and now they've lost six in a row. Um, the Bucks are another team that has not looked that great. Their offense has stagnated. Uh, and my question to you is, are the Bucks and Clippers just happy? Are they happy with where they're at? Are they okay? Are they still confident in the fact that they can be championship contenders this season? Because both teams had those expectations coming into the year. They both thought they they could be championship contenders. And Mm -hmm. right now, 
both teams are defensive juggernauts. The Bucks are third in defense. The Clippers are sixth in defense. But on the other end, they have struggled immensely. The Bucks right. are 26th in offense. The Clippers are 28th in offense. They have the Bucks have the 23rd half court offense in the league, and the Clippers have the 22nd half court offense. Look, for both of these teams, you can probably bring up injuries. Sure. Chris Middleton missing out time. Drew Holiday missing out some time. Giannis uh, obviously being amazing, but also he's missed a couple of knickknack games here and there. With the Clippers, the injury stuff is very, very clear. Kawhi Leonard wasn't ready to go to start the season. Him and Paul George are still resting back-to-backs, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But the real question is, two teams that are supposed to be championship contenders, are they happy being that bad on offense? And what what are are like what are their options here to maybe try and improve that? Yeah, I mean it's an interesting question because for Milwaukee, I mean, for them the injuries, like you said, the the numbers are not great, but they're still third. They're still third in the East. And so yeah. when I'm looking at them, and when you see them, I don't want to say every single night, but there are lots of times when you're watching them and the continuity that they have. That sometimes I don't want to say it's enough, but. They're not, you know, to me, this this team to have concern about, at least from where I'm standing. The Clippers, I don't want to say that they are that they are concerning, even though, you know, they're kind of middle of the pack, like you said, for all the reasons with the, the injuries. To me, I think short answer, they are both happy because to me, if I had to guess, or based on what I've seen and what I've read, I think the internal confidence is still, hey, everybody's healthy, or the things that I, I, let me phrase it by saying the things that aren't out or are, are out of their control, if they were in their control or everything was going well, I think that they would perf- be performing at the level that they think that they're capable of and believe right. that they're capable of. Mm-hmm. So from that regard, I think a lot of it is out of their control. And, and I don't know that they need to be making any moves, um, at least right now, because they still have time, at least in my opinion. I think for the Bucks, let's say, starting there, going into this season, it was, okay, their tradable contracts are Grayson Allen and Brooke Lopez, and then Brooke Lopez has been phenomenal for them, and then you've right. got Grayson Allen, who, are they going to trade that? Are they not? Mm, we'll see. Um, and and, and, he's, and they, he's, become, he's become important for them. Like, he, he has. Good rotation had that game winner. Yeah, I mean, he, he, has been, he has been a big part of their team, and so for them, that's kind of why I say they don't have to, because... They're still performing well, and and if they needed to later, um, they could trade Grayson Allen in another season. Uh, Brooke Lopez is is on that expiring deal, I believe, uh, but I think it, there's a decent chance that he returns. So for the Bucks, I'm not as concerned about them. Uh, for the Clippers, I guess you could say I'm slightly more concerned about them, but I do still think that they're happy. I think they like Tyloo. I think they like the group that they have. I just don't think that. I think the factors that are out of their control are are kind of impacting more so. Um, and, and not just the numbers aspect of it. I think the numbers is just a consequence of a lack of continuity. And again, the lack of continuity is availability comes down to availability. So I think that they're happy. And I think that they kind of, I hate to say it, but we'll trust the process and kind of just be patient (laughs) with it. Um, because I do think that, that ultimately the Clippers, their time will come. Uh, I just don't, maybe it, maybe it's not right now. Maybe they don't have enough time to kind of put the pieces together to get everyone consistently healthy. And then to make it all happen come come playoff time. I, I'm kind of 50-50 on them right now. I think the the reason I even bring up this question is yeah. because age is a factor with both of these teams. Uh, I think Giannis is, is going to be great, and he has a long runway. You don't have to worry about him. But Chris Middleton is getting older. Drew Holiday is getting older. Brooke Lopez is getting older. Uh, these are guys that are aging out of Giannis's prime. and And I think – that's a question that you have to look at if you're Milwaukee and say, okay, how do we how do we recoup on some young guys? Maybe get some some youth into the system that we can develop and build around Giannis because of the fact that like Chris is going to be great, and I think uh, you know what in all in all likelihood I trust him to be ready for the playoffs. I I imagine that this season isn't something that they're necessarily worried about. But if I'm looking from a long term perspective, I'm sort of worried about how this Bucks core ages out without with Giannis is essentially um and in in a similar vein with the Clippers you have a bunch of older guys centered around two pretty old guys in Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and then you have the Reggie Jacksons of the world you have Nick Batum you have uh, John Wall right these are like guys that they depend on these are rotation pieces that they consistently have to throw out there and they're older 
the good thing about both these teams is they do now have one first round pick to trade um and i think that gives them a little bit of leeway to make some kind of move jordan clarkson has been mentioned ad nauseum for the bucks i think that's something that could probably happen maybe a boy on bogdanovich is a solution to their problems um I think the Bucks and Clippers will probably make a marginal move. Uh, yeah. It probably will result in them giving up that first-round pick that's that, that they have in their kind of toolbox. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be – I don't think it's going to be a big move, but it's something that they need to do. And I do right. think that they – like they should look at themselves and say, hey, we're happy, but we're not satisfied with where we're at, and maybe we can make a tweak – here and there to just improve where we're where we're gonna be headed this season and maybe even for the future right yeah I could definitely see the Clippers I mean I can I can see both teams doing it it's also one of those things where at least from where I'm at right now I could see the deadline coming and going and being like that right pack I mean we only do have one first to trade and that right package it just wasn't there or maybe the price was too high I think if you're the Clippers and you're like oh we have an opportunity to move off of Luke Kennard and and use that first round pick to both move off the contract and get someone that's maybe a better fit uh that kind of maybe addresses a little bit more of a need then yeah maybe they do pull that trigger uh but if it's like you know robert covington in a first and they're like well eh, you know maybe i i don't know um well then maybe something doesn't happen um i think the bucks i i'd probably lean even though i they're they're third like i just said i still think that they could potentially be more likely to pull the trigger on a move um, but just especially because they're getting linked to so many names. So it's almost, I wouldn't be surprised if they do, wouldn't be surprised if they don't. Uh, but I do think that they have, that both teams, despite having, you know, big tax bills and, and, and competing or being in a place where they want to compete for a championship, uh, I do still think that they both have moves to make. So hopefully, right. you know, they're not outbidding <laughs> teams like the Mavericks <laughs> that really do need to make a move. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay. Uh, do you have another question or is it? I do. I do. do. So brings me to my next question with the Mavs. You knew it was coming. You knew it was coming. Talk to me. Does Dallas need to get Luca help now? As in, Mm. in the next month, one month from today, as a matter of fact. Well, I, well, I would love to know what you think about that, but, um, (laughs) I, I will say when you have a player like this, when you have a guy who is already reaching MVP status, uh, top five player status, uh, it is in your best interest to at least try and win now and try and show that you are going to be invested in this future. You're ready to kind of go all in. You're ready to move pieces if necessary to get this done. Mm -hmm. When it comes to the Mavericks, though, I think they they don't have the luxury of having all of their assets I don't mm-hmm. think they have the luxury of of having, you know, maybe a young piece or a young guy that they can package together with something else to move. Uh, we can talk about the Christian Wood situation and maybe there's a contract extension happening there, who knows? But mm-hmm. I I think the big thing with the Mavericks is similar but not in the same vein as the Minnesota Timberwolves where they don't have a lot of flexibility with what they can do. Yeah. And because of that lack of flexibility, it makes it much harder to make those win-now moves. I imagine something around the margins could help. I think something, you know, um, Mark Stein reported yesterday that the Cavaliers are interested in Tim Hardaway Jr. It might be a Karis Levert for Tim Hardaway Jr. swap. But I right. think that is pretty much a, as lateral of a move as you could think of. Hardaway and Karis Levert, besides a couple of playmaking differences, are virtually in the same tier of player. Um, so I, I don't, I don't necessarily know if there is a win now move, right? but maybe this summer, maybe this summer when the picks start opening up a little bit more, when you have access to, to more picks and maybe that helps you guys out. But I think, I think the bigger issue here is that like, there are no young pieces. There are no like guys you can kind of attach to those picks to go for, you know, you mentioned earlier, a Zach Levine type or, you know. I, I don't know who the player is even out there that they could go and get, but it's just hard for me to visualize them having the assets to compete with other teams that can go and win now as well. Right. So, I mean, with where I'm at right now, I do I do think that, yes, they need to be looking at all their options right now and seeing who's available and what teams might be interested 
in, you know, a 2027 first round pick to from Dallas and, and just seeing where that could potentially get them or, or I should say what it could get them. Um, I'm fascinated. It's, it, you know, it's interesting because the Pacers, I continue to look at the Pacers and I'm like, what are they doing? Are they competing? Are they not competing? Are they, who's the future? Miles Turner doesn't want to extend his contract. He doesn't like the number. He's like, what is happening there? And so that's a situation I monitor closely because while I don't think that there's necessarily a done deal, 100% trade that Dallas can make right now, that's going to take them where they want to go. I do think that there are moves that they could make that could help them better lay out their future from a financial perspective. And if they do go out and maybe trade this, there was a report that, uh, that Detroit was going, if they're going to trade Boyan Bogdanovich, um, if they were to trade him to Dallas, they would want the 2027 first round pick in return, which makes perfect sense. And so, um, if you're Dallas, I mean, that's something I think that you look at. Is that 100% true? Do they then want Reggie Bullock or someone that's a key rotational piece for Dallas right now? And if, if so, is that too much for you? Uh, but for Dallas, I think getting off maybe some of these longer term contracts personally, I have no interest in doing the Karis Levert for Tim Hardaway Jr. swap, but that's just, that's just my personal opinion. Um, even though the contracts are what they are, that's just where I'm at on that issue. But I do think that there are from a player and talent right now perspective, there are swaps that you could make um, and even deals that you could do in terms of moving multiple contracts for even a bigger contract to help you get structure your books in a way that you have primarily short-term contracts on them to where that so that you can go for it so that you can re reassess if you have to without finding yourself in a position where you have to then attach draft assets once again just to restructure and and i think that that will be the key for them uh it it looks like they were talking about uh potentially doing a two-year uh or an extension for christian wood on a two-year basis um i I don't know the deal yeah i I think i mean i think it's a good i think it's a good move um i think right now for dallas you want to have your long-term future solidified but there are still so many questions is christian wood the five is he the four right now he's playing well at the five but against boston there wasn't a whole lot of presence inside and so to me right now you use this this time to set up your future not necessarily to go all in and i think that there's a there are moves out there that can kind of help you do both if that miles turner situation kind of goes downhill in indiana that's my priority number 1 that's what i would prefer um but you know if you want to stay and hold on to all the picks and just wait for Spencer Dinwiddie to be in his final year, Reggie Bullock to be in his final year, Josh Green to continue developing, mm-hmm. um, Max Maxi be healthy and, and on his team-friendly contract. I mean, they have options if they want to wait, um, but I think they would personally, I would be pretty disappointed if the trade deadline comes and goes, comes and goes, and they don't do, they're not involved in any deal. That would right. disappoint me because I absolutely think that there are moves to make, even if at the surface or across the league, they might seem pretty underwhelming. Taking on contracts that might be not as appetizing, but might mm-hmm. look better once they start playing next to Luca is yeah. a strategy that I would implore if I'm the Mavericks. I think they 100%. sort of did that last year with Dinwiddie and Bertans. I think immediately when that trade happened i'm like oh my god what are the mavericks doing what is wrong with them and but but it, but it sort of played out well it sort of it played out well it i think Berton, Berton's played decently and dinwiddie has played pretty well this season he's he's kind of played off luca pretty well i think he's upped his value a little bit compared to what he was in washington when he looked like a shell of himself mm-hmm. um and Berton's same situation so right i mean finding guys that luca can recoup their value uh, is is an interesting way to put it, and I didn't really think of it that way until you mentioned it. Was like, sure. hey, how can how can this Mavericks team use Luca as a way to up the value of their other players? Um, and I think that's an interesting way to look at it. I had a question about the Warriors, but I'm going to skip that because I think <laughs> it's it's a boring question compared to this final bonus question I have for you. Okay, let's go. Um, by the way, do you have any lingering questions before I finish off with this question? No, no, go done, for right? it. You're done. Okay, so look. There are only a couple of teams, a few teams that are top 11 in offense and top 11 in defense this season so far right now. And mm-hmm. the reason I mentioned top 11 in offense and top 11 in defense is because we're at the halfway point. The halfway point is a good, good indicator to see who, where everybody is at, essentially. 
and mm-hmm. top 11 offense and top 11 defenses because the majority of NBA champions have had both things, a top 11 offense and a top 11 defense. If you go through okay. history, you can do the research yourself if you'd like to. Maybe we'll do a podcast on it someday. It doesn't matter. But <laughs> these are the teams right now, okay? The okay. Boston Celtics, the Brooklyn Nets, the New Orleans Pelicans, the New York Knicks, I knew you the, were gonna <laughs> the, the Cleveland Cavaliers, and the Memphis Grizzlies. Other than laughing off the Knicks option and maybe smirking at the Cavaliers and Nets option, who do you think your title favorite is right now from that list of teams that I mentioned? Oh, from that list, it's got to be Boston. At least, I mean, to me, Boston, I hate to say it, but Boston is sort of the easy answer for me, which is almost yeah. like one of those in-your-face obvious things that it's like, okay, well, maybe I shouldn't go that route. Um, but I just think that they have a perfect formula that they're putting out there right now. Um, and so I do lean Boston, but if, you know, for, for, I guess, listeners sake, if they don't want to hear the easy answer, I'm going to go New Orleans. I really oh, am. Oh, the Western. Con- oh, wow. I didn't think that I did not expect that. See, if I thought, I thought the Western conference team you'd pick would be Memphis. Uh, nope. I, that is that is interesting to me. Okay, I'm a believer. We, I'm a believer. I like it. I like it. Look, if if we were gonna go with the easy answer, I agree. I agree with you. It's Boston. They have been. Uh, if there was a favorite in the NBA right now, and I don't think there necessarily is. I think this is the most wide open the NBA has ever been. Mm-hmm. But I probably would label the the Celtics as the favorites to win the title. That being said, I think the Grizzlies are a team that is being slept on a little bit just because of the fact that they're a little bit young and, you know, they have uh, some maybe some depth issues and they should probably make a move. We didn't talk about them a lot here in this podcast. They're they're probably another team that should probably make a move. But, yeah, the Boston Celtics. Interesting. I I guess we'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. (laughs) Folks, um, I really appreciate you guys tapping into episode one if you've made it all this way. After an hour of podcasting and listening to Lauren and I's voice, um, I hope you guys can uh, hit that subscribe button on the YouTube, you know, five star ratings on the Spotify and Apples. I don't know how any of this stuff works, really, (laughs) but just do what you guys do to support this podcast, if you will. Lauren and I are super excited to kind of bring this to you guys. We're going to be doing it twice a week. And uh, yeah, hopefully it, it joins your podcast rotation. Follow hosts at Just S. Barahini on all socials and at the Lauren Gun on Twitter. The Objective Basketball Podcast. Delivering the NBA to you like no other.